strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, the big headline when it comes to gas prices is an AZ Central story from this morning. and Or yesterday, I should say, pump at the pri- uh, pump prices across the country are receiving much-needed relief with a drop by a nickel nationally, but not so much in Arizona. Um, the average price in the state remained at four seventy per gallon Thursday at just above $5 per gallon in the Mesa, Phoenix area. National average is $3.63 a gallon. So we are well above the national average for a number of reasons. Um, the uh, inflation continues to remain high. We've seen the GDP slow down, which is worrying people about a recession. But um I guess it all depends on your perception of the economy. There are some that are defending the economy, saying it still is very strong. But many people are worried. Now, I get worried about policy. Policy, to me, is a big issue. Um, I want you to hear – I'm going to read something to you. It says, we're hiring special agents right now. The criminal investigation is the law enforcement branch of the IRS. Our mission is to serve the American public by investigating potential criminal violations of the Internal Revenue. Revenue code. As a special agent, you'll combine your accounting skills with law enforcement skills to investigate financial crimes. Special agents are duly sworn law enforcement officers. So it talks about what you'll learn and what you need to do. These are the agents that are going to be going after, they say, the, um, the very wealthy, but we know that that's not the case. Be a U.S. citizen, 21 years old. Um, you have to qualify based on education, specialized experience, or com- combination of the two. You have to have a valid driver's license, background, a criminal history check, um, major duties, adhere to the highest standards, work a minimum of 50 hours a week, maintain a high level of fitness, including you got to work holidays possibly. Um, the reason why I mention this with the economy issues is it, it seems odd to me at a time where we are intentionally, intentionally slowing down the economy, which means the job creators, the business owners are going to have a much harder time uh Getting cash, borrowing money. We know that a couple of things have happened in kind of the perfect storm. One is the interest rate increase is going to make it more difficult, but also bank closures. With the collapse of some banks, there are a lot of the banks that are having a tougher time. Um, it, restrictions are going to come in. We know that they are going to tighten some of the requirements, which means the small businesses that need to be able to borrow on a revolving basis are going to have a harder time doing that. Harder time growing, harder time maintaining. So now what you're talking about at a minimum is they're going to have a lot more compliance issues with the IRS. It is already a fearful thing for anyone, especially if you own a business. If you make a mistake, what it costs you in penalties and interest and all of those other things, there is no break when it comes to that. You you can file bankruptcy and not pay a lot of people. You're still going to pay the IRS. Well, on top of all of that, and we know that most people in the U.S., most people in the U.S., when something happens – It's a mistake. It's not somebody purposefully trying to um, cheat the IRS and cheat on their taxes. Most of the time, because of the convoluted mess that the tax law is, and for businesses it is as much as probably more so than individuals, when businesses make mistakes. So the compliance issues, you're spending an excessive amount of money to hire accountants to check and double check to make sure everything you're doing is being done the right way. 
on top of that issue, you're having a harder time with money. So it's going to even if these are people that are never going to see a courtroom or people that are going to be prosecuted, when you start hearing about tens of thousands of new enforcement agents with the IRS, and this may be the intent of the of the government, I, I don't know. But if they are saying we want to make sure we're sending a message to America you better dot your I's and cross your T's. And I'm just – there are so many issues here. Um, locally, I, I will tell you one of the big issues that happened, and this is a mindset, and it, but it's true. Why was gambling illegal for so long? It's legal in Vegas. It was legal in Atlantic City. Why was it not legal? Why would you be – if you were a bookie, that's what they used to be called. If you were a bookie and you were taking illegal bets, well, it was because there was no tax revenue being generated. That was the big issue. Because you could gamble, you can go, you can go to tribal land and gamble. But if you can't have a private, because it's against law, they're not taxing it. What about cigarettes? Selling cigarettes without a tax stamp on the packages. Um, tobacco growers are regulated very vigorously. They can't, you know, selling tobacco products without a tax stamp is a big issue. Um, uh, bootleggers that used to sell bootleg whiskey, same thing, selling it without it being taxed. Here in Arizona, the big issue about the tamale bill that we just talked about. One of the issues, and I'm not saying it's the issue with this governor. She said it was about safety. But the other issue is that there are businesses out there that have a freestanding business that comply with existing cleanliness laws and everything else. And they have to pay taxes on the food that they sell. And if you're selling it out of your house, you're not paying taxes. Therefore, that's not fair. That's a big element in some of this. It's about them being able to, and I say them, the government being able to collect taxes on what you are doing. But we also understand that if you are going to pull the money out of the economy, if you are going to have this kind of a compliance issue, and this is going to be a big one with the IRS, it is also going to further hurt the economy. And because you're, if you're spending it on compliance, you're not spending it in other places. You're not creating a profit for yourself. It, it, to me, it is mind-boggling that a lot of these things are happening at the same time. The the idea that at a time we just had people in at 1135, we are going to speak with Taylor Tassler from KTAR News. She had a visit down to the border. We just had the head, the chief of patrol for Border Patrol for the Tucson sector in studio with us, along with the U.S. attorney. Um, in this area in with us talking about the statistics and the number of border crossers and how much more border crossers there are this year than last year. And that year was more than the year before that going all the way back to 2021, where we've seen these huge increases and they're expecting a 20 percent increase possibly um, when Title 42 expires. And what we are doing as a federal government is taxing, they say, taxing the wealthy so that we can hire tens of thousands of new IRS agents. Not border agents, not enforcement, not locking down the border, not border control, but IRS to come after the taxpayers in this country. The lopsided tax system we have, which is the wealthy pay the vast majority of the taxes in this country. Instead of a fair system where every American has skin in the game, every American is paying real money into the government every month so that they are looking at the federal government and they are a critical eye on how that money is being spent. There's a large segment of American society that gets everything back they pay the federal government in in income taxes And some get even more than they put in. It's the redistribution of wealth. We can talk about the fairness of that, but I'm talking about the investment. 
that's part of the, the, the skin in the game mentality for anything. If someone hands you something, when kids are given a car at 16 years old, they drive it like they stole it. If a kid has to work their butt off to pay for it, they tend to hang on to it and treat it a little bit better. I mean, it, it, I, I don't understand the mentality in this country where we are going to keep hammering the people that are the job creators. I don't understand. I have friends that are small business owners that are just good people, and they just work hard. They've always worked hard. And when they become moderately successful or even really successful, somehow they became the enemy. You see a contractor that's driving a brand-new four-wheel drive truck with the extended cab, or they own a boat, or they own a cabin up in Flagstaff, and you look at them like, oh, look at this guy. Where were you when they were driving a 10- or a 15-year-old vehicle, bagging their lunch, and working 14, 15, 16 hours a day, six days a week to start their business? I'm just – the demonization is just outrageous to me. Uh, coming up in a moment, we're going to get you caught up on the biggest news stories for the last time this week. It's a segment we call Did You Hear This? We'll get to it coming up in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. The Friday edition, the final one of the week. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre commented on McCarthy's debt ceiling bill yesterday. House Republicans are holding the economy hostage, threatening Americans' jobs and retirement savings unless we and the Senate agree on an extreme MAGA wish list. Is the Biden administration in a position to be this adamant about non-negotiation? I just love the platitudes. It makes me laugh. They are holding the country hostage. We are going to ruin American jobs. It's an extreme MAGA idea. What they want is spending cuts. I just want everybody in America to look at that. What they want are some spending cuts. The United States Treasury collects more money every month, every quarter. It sets a record, including right now. It sets records for revenue. And yet, we still are almost $32 trillion in debt. And it is a an extreme MAGA idea for someone to say the federal government needs to reduce spending. If you agree that that's true, then I think you should vote accordingly in 2024. If you think that these are more platitudes and no matter what party you're in, we are spending too much money, then at least have a consideration for some of the cuts they are proposing. Chief Patrol Agent John Maudlin from the Tucson sector of the U.S. Border Patrol joined the show this morning to talk about Arizona's border issues. He shared a staggering statistic about the amount of rescues that his agents make. Last seven days, we made 500 rescues in the Tucson sector. So 9,000 apprehensions, 500 rescues. So incredibly busy out there, both on the enforcement side and the humanitarian side. Are border sectors equipped to help what is anticipated to be a massive influx of asylum seekers in May? I thought I knew a great deal about this. Oh, my gosh. 500 in one week. Now, for all of you Phoenicians and people that are new to Arizona, we have changed the rules in the city of Phoenix, whether you like it or not. On extremely hot days, they are closing the hiking trails within the city of Phoenix. And they are doing this to protect you from yourself, yes, but also so that our first responders working in the fire stations 
around Phoenix, don't have to climb those mountains after you to get you off the mountain, whether it's an air rescue or a ground rescue. This is also to protect first responders. Now imagine 500 times in one week where they're having these rescues. They're anticipating an uptick in the number of people crossing in these months where it is going to become even warmer. So can you imagine that many rescues in one week? And that is something that just blew my mind. You're listening to Did You Hear This? We do it every day at this time to catch you up on the major headlines. The Biden administration plans to open migration centers in Guatemala and Colombia for asylum seekers, according to an article from Arizona PBS. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas said that the migration centers are about making the legal pathways much more acceptable, accessible. The whole model is to reach the people where they are, to cut the smugglers out, and to have them avoid the perilous journey that too many do not make. The end of Title 42 is on the horizon for no one more than the border communities in the southern Arizona. What could migration centers like this mean for asylum seekers and for people living close to the border? I don't think that we're addressing the key issue by doing this. This is That is part of the immigration issue. We are not addressing the border security issue that America is facing. It doesn't address the fentanyl issue. It doesn't address the border crossers that are coming, as we just heard from uh, from Border Patrol this morning, that they patrol the areas where people are not trying to be captured. The places where people are crossing, where they're expecting another 20% uh, increase in the areas where people are not crossing and trying to declare themselves for asylum. That may fix that problem with people crossing in the cartels, but the problem we're addressing here in the Tucson sector, and we just had them in today talking about, are the ones that are trying to get away. This doesn't address that issue. That's where the terrorist might be. That's where the people muling drugs might be. If they're trying to avoid detection, you know they're coming here for bad reasons because the ones that want to come here for the good reasons are declaring themselves for asylum. So this doesn't make sense. It doesn't address the real problems. And if this is the best plan that they're going to come up with, we are going to have major issues and it's not going to help the problem at all. After two trades during the first round of the NFL draft, the Arizona Cardinals selected offensive lineman Paris Johnson Jr. He says he's ready for whatever the Cardinals want him to do. I just want to be a part of this five. You know, so it's a guard, tackle, and I have a future six, seven center. We'll see if that's what they want to do. But, you know, I'm, 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 I'm just trying to ball out, and I, I just want to put hard for the, for the guys already in there. You know what I mean? How will his work ethic propel him forward? I just think if, if he plays anything, if his effort level is maintained in the professional uh, world, as it was in the college world. As much as it pains me to say great things about an Ohio State player, let me say this guy is one of the best people I've seen in a long time. Versatile. He's big. He's fast. His feet are good. He's strong. He is really good at blocking on the inside and on the outside. What we need is offensive line play. He is someone that can shore up that offensive line. If his work ethic matches the words he used yesterday, this is going to be a great pick for the Arizona Cardinals. And when Kyler Murray gets back, he's going to have one more person there that's going to keep him on his feet and not being chased, and that's something he needs desperately. 
Hey, great job today and this week, as always, Julia. That's Did You Hear This? We'll do it again uh, coming up um, on Monday morning. What we're going to do in a moment is we're, we had a great conversation with John Modlin, who is the chief of patrol for the Border Patrol in the Tucson sector and with a U.S. attorney. But we are also going to talk with Taylor Tassler from KTAR News about her border visit as we continue to focus on the border as it is and what's going to happen after the expiration of Title 42. So please stick around. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. And thanks for being here. As uh, the border continues to be a major focus here in Arizona and all over the country, I think now as we are starting to see big issues and the concern about Title 42 expiring. Uh, we've been covering it a lot today. We had a guest in. Uh, John Maudlin was a guest. Uh, he is the chief of uh, patrol for the Tucson sector of Border Patrol. Gary Restaino was in with us. He is the, with the U.S. Attorney's Office. And joining us now is with the KTIR news team, Taylor Tassler. You visited the border yesterday, correct? I did, yes. I was in Yuma. What did you learn in this trip? Because I know you've been down there before. What did you learn this time, and what were you expecting to see? So I had actually never physically seen the border wall. So... It was a lot of what I've expected. I've talked to a lot of people who are really on the ground on a daily basis. And so to kind of paint a picture of what it looked like, um, there's debris. You see notes kind of scattered around with information. Um, you see ripped up and bent what look like prepaid Visa debit cards, jewelry, um, water bottles. Um, but you can see really on the border that CBP has found a way to make it flow. There's a tent that provides them with shade. They have cases of water out because it's hot. The desert, sooner rather than later, is going to be 120 degrees. They have cases of water along the border, bananas, so that when they come onto the U.S. side, they can... I take a minute and, you know, have some water. They have bathrooms along there. Um, so it was interesting to see for the first time, but it was definitely the way everyone has described it. I was expecting to see that. One of the things we learned today from Border Patrol is that in the past seven days, they've had 9,000 apprehensions and 500 rescues. Mm -hmm. That seems like an extremely high number. Is that what you were learning on this trip? Statistics like that? Yeah, so I actually went to a CBP press conference about the dangers, kind of warning, don't cross over the summer months. It's more dangerous than you would think. And really going into detail of how dangerous it is. They were saying really the only source of water on the way from Mexico to the U.S. Um, is like a water bank. And the migrants will sometimes get in it and they can't get out. The water can start moving really fast. It's really cold. And they said it's nearly impossible for them to get out of the water because the banks are super slippery. They can't get out. And then you add on to the desert and how it's 120 degrees. There are cliffs. So not only are you dehydrated, but a lot of them are sprained ankles, broken bones because they're falling down cliffs. And one of the biggest things that Border Patrol was saying was the smugglers will say, oh, it's going to be like a vacation to get to the U.S. That's how they sell it. It's a vacation. Sure. And so they come ill prepared. They bring a jug of water and no food and they the smugglers say it'll take a day. Realistically, it's going to take them five days. So within one day, they've used all their water. And so CBP's really, they've set out kind of like alert system. So there's buttons. 
that migrants can push. It's a big red button, and it says, once you hit this, CBP will be here in an hour. And so at this press conference, they had the Blackhawks and all the helicopters showing how they do these rescue missions. And, you know, for the fiscal year, there's already been 15 body body recoveries, and that's just for this year. Isn't it fascinating, and I use this as kind of a compare and contrast, the city of Phoenix, where we are now, on hot days, shuts down the hiking trails, Mm -hmm. not only to protect hikers, but protect first responders. And they've already had 501 week of these rescues, and it's going to get worse because of the heat. Yeah, and that was one of the things I spoke to CBP about at the press conference. You know, we're talking about the dangers that the migrants are facing, but also the staff and the officers are going in, and it can take seven to eight hours to get to the migrants, sometimes depending on if they're on a cliff, if it's hard to find them. And it's hot, it's dangerous, and so the dangers that they're facing as well, and they were explaining to me, you know, how they're protecting their officers and what the training looks like, and so it's just a lot of resources going towards protecting them. In the press conference, and I really didn't get, uh, I didn't get into it too deeply with the people that were in the studio with me about the expectations of Title 42 expiring. Border Patrol, and are they saying that they believe they're prepared for what's going to happen after the expiration and what plans are they making or are being made for them for when this happens? Yeah, so actually after your two guests, I interviewed them after this and I just flat out asked them, are you prepared? Do you feel ready for this? Because I feel like when it comes to the politics of it, we're hearing everyone saying nobody is prepared. So I just flat out asked them and they said, we are prepared. You know, we are expecting a surge, but there have been times before when we've seen surges. And so we're using what we learned from those surges to prep for this. And they were saying they've had a lot of time to prepare. There's been multiple times in the past that we've thought Title 42 was going to come to an end and it didn't. So they've had all that preparation then leading up to this point. They feel prepared. They are expecting a surge, but they're bringing in resources from around the country to assist them, boots on the ground. So they said they're ready for it. Well, the other part of this, as he said to us, is the the multitude of what they are experiencing in the Tucson sector are the people that are trying to avoid detection. So what you're describing are people that are crossing the border uh, that are turning themselves in, and then they are getting in that long line of people that are going to get hearings. But what about the people that are crossing that are trying not to get detected? It's it's dangerous anytime, but especially now with the heat coming on, it's going to get even worse. Yeah, and one of the things that they really stressed to me at the press conference was the people who are trying to evade law enforcement, they're wearing camo, mm-hmm. they're going through great lengths in what they're wearing to make sure they're not noticeable, but underneath those camo outfits they're wearing are five layers of clothing. So it's 120 degrees and you have five layers of clothing trying to go undetected. So that just makes it even more dangerous for you. And I would say just one thing about the Yuma sector and kind of the differences is the people in the Yuma sector, they very much seem to know what they were doing. I spoke to a woman who crossed the border and I was kind of asking her, what are you doing? And she goes, I'm going to wait here for CBP to come. And then, you know, I'll talk to them. And that seemed to be what the process was, was they kind of hang out there and wait for CBP to come. So what about the town of Yuma and the people in Yuma County? How are they prepared for what? Because they get strained with their hospitals and they get strained with first responders and and food banks. How are they preparing? I actually, yesterday when I was in Yuma, went to the Yuma Regional Medical Center, which we've talked about before, about the care that they're spending on migrants. 
And they told me, you know, they are preparing for the end of Title 42. No matter what, they are always going to provide care. They will never close their doors. And even if there is a surge, they're going to make it work. They told me to prepare. They're hiring more staff, hiring more nurses, which is also tough for them because with the COVID-19 pandemic and so many people leaving the healthcare workforce, travel nurses are more expensive. So they're really paying for them at the premium price. But they said they're going to do that because they want to provide care. And they were explaining to me, too, during the summer months, their type of care they provide shifts a little bit because they are dealing with dehydration, broken bones on top of one of the biggest groups of people that they see, which is pregnant migrants who have had no prenatal care. So they are ready Mm -hmm. and they're prepped. I appreciate the information. I know it had to be an eye-opening trip for you, but thanks for bringing it into the show. Of course, yeah. I'm always happy to talk about it and share my experiences. I know not everyone can see it with their own eyes, so I'm happy to tell you what it looks like. All right, that's Taylor Tassler. Does a great job with KTAR News. There's going to be more of it on the website. Coming up in a moment, we're going to talk about a confrontation in education. That's before we close it out for the week, so stick around for it. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. You know, this is one of those topics that for me is a, is a fairly big one, and it had to do with the shutdowns. We understand, we are understanding more and more the adverse effects of the shutdown on kids. Um, they were the least likely, and they still are the least likely, to be adversely affected by COVID-19 as an illness. They have the lowest numbers of hospitalizations, the lowest numbers of death by, not, it's not even close. It is an exceptionally high number of people over the age of 65. To give you an idea, there have been over, I think, 24,000 deaths of people over the age of 65 in Arizona. There have been only 81 people that have died under the age. And now we don't even know if they were caused by COVID, but when they had COVID, when they died. I say this because the other side of this is the adverse emotional and mental health expense that children paid because of school shutdowns. So the teachers unions, especially the AFT, the American Federal of teachers played a big role in this. And now they are trying to downplay that role as they testified. Randy Weingarten, who is the head of the AFT, testified before Congress and basically didn't tell the story, did not tell the story. Um, so I want you to hear on CNN, there was a back and forth with people and Randy Weingarten was a part of this. And this is someone addressing her, talking about her denying and what happened to these kids that especially the ones that are special needs in this time period. On behalf of millions of American parents, I have four at home. I had to teach them at home. My wife had to teach them at home. I am stunned at what you have said this week about your claiming to have wanted to reopen schools. I think most you'll find that most parents believe you were the tip of the spear of school closures. There are numerous statements you made over the summer of 20, scaring people to death about the possibility of opening schools. And I hear no remorse whatsoever about the generational damage that's been done to these kids. I have two kids with learning differences. Do you know how hard it is for them to learn at home and not in a classroom that was designed for them? And for you to sit in front of Congress and the American people and say, oh, I I wanted to open them the whole time. I, I am shocked. I'm stunned. I'm stunned. And there are millions of parents who feel the exact same way. 
And just to give you a little perspective, um, there were actually more people under the age of 20, more people under the age of 20 that have gotten coronavirus. Um, there have been 495,000 cases in Arizona, almost 496,000. There have been 336,000 cases over the age of 65. So much more, um, 150,000 more cases. Um, but when it comes to hospitalizations, there have been 7,110 hospitalizations in the state of Arizona since we've been tracking COVID for people under the age of 20, over 7,000, okay? But the other side of that coin, 62,000 hospitalizations over 65, 81 deaths under the age of 20, 24,142 over the age of 65. So here we are now talking about mental health. So here is Randy Weingarten, the head of the AFT, and her response to what you just heard. I don't know you, sir, and you don't know me. But I have worked for the last 20 or 30 years helping kids every single day. I've been a school teacher. I've been a union leader. I knew and understood the importance of reopening schools and the importance of making sure that people were safe. And poll after poll that we did of parents, and I spent a lot of time with parents, said that they basically understood and supported that we needed to do both. If you were going to look up the definition of gaslighting, I imagine that right there was it. They absolutely played a role in the but, and, and should not have. They should not have had the opportunity to play a role in the policy that was brought up by the CDC when it came to this. Children were the ones that were going to be least affected. The One of the places, and I'll talk about some of the mistakes that were made here based on CDC recommendations. CDC recommendations were that being outside was the best place to be. As things began to open up and we knew people were going to have Thanksgiving dinner and people weren't going to obey lockdowns, people were asked, hey, do us a favor, eat outside. Everybody said be outside. What did the city of Phoenix do? They shut down the parks. What did they shut down in the parks? Picnic tables and playground equipment. Safest place to be was outside. So kids couldn't congregate in the classroom. Kids couldn't congregate in the parks. All of this in the name of safety. Now, we're learning a lot more now than they knew then. But for the AFT, they did this for teachers. And I'm telling you this because I have, I've seen the Zoom calls. I've seen the videos. I've seen the flyers that were going around that teachers were going to post their own eulogies in video form to the governor. This was about teachers. It was not about students. Kids were very unlikely to get it, and if they got it, they were very unlikely to have serious illness or death from it, and the numbers don't lie. It's up on the Arizona State. If you can go and look, the Department of Health Services still updates the numbers every Wednesday. You can go and look for yourself at what the numbers are. I am reciting the numbers straight from the website. And you can't change history, and they are sure trying to. And uh, they were a big part of the shutdowns and keeping schools closed, and now they're screaming about the money they need in order to, to rectify the problem they caused. And I think that's the issue here. Um, we'll be back on Monday. Thanks for being here. If you're a social media user, I am at BroomheadKTAR on Twitter, at Broomhead Show. Update you on the show, events, and Mike Broomhead, all one word, on Instagram. If you'd like to follow me, I hope you've got a great weekend. Planned. Stay cool. We'll be back Monday. God bless.